0: All right. Good morning, church. Morning. Give me a second to to, to set my, myself up here. I told Clay, our fantastic sound cameraman. Everybody, give him give him a hand. Uh, our our church may have ceased during the COVID season if Clay didn't do all that he did. And I don't say that as a joke. I mean that sincerely. This guy has been single handedly just killing it every single Sunday. So praise the Lord for him. Go ahead and raise your hand. Clay, let everybody know who you are. There he is. Um, but he told me a couple weeks ago when I preached, I decided to step out and, and walk a little bit to see you guys and connect with you guys. There He's standing up. Go ahead and give him a rousing hand of applause for standing up. There you go, Clay. Yeah. He told me, he said, man, uh, I was like, hey, so how'd that go? because I felt good about feeling connected, he said, yeah, man, don't do that. It, I have to move the camera and stuff, so just stay behind the, the thing. So I've been I've been boxed in. I have to stay right here today. But hopefully you guys still feel, still feel connected and loved this morning, even though I'm standing way back here. Well, my name is Pastor Leon McKenzie, or Pastor Mac. I serve as the associate pastor here at Redeemer. Welcome to church. If you are a first-time visitor, I'm looking to see some. I'm sure somebody's out here. If... All right, you're pointing some out. So glad to have you. I hope you don't feel too embarrassed by being pointed out this morning, but we're glad to have you. Uh, We'd love to talk to you about the church, let you know a little bit about Redeemer, what's going on, how you could potentially get plugged in. We'd love to take you out to coffee or lunch as well, so reach out to us. My email is Leon at RedeemerATL.org. Pastor Drew over here, raise your hand. Drew at RedeemerATL.org. Pastor Benjamin, raise your hand. Benjamin at RedeemerATL.org. Rachel, raise your hand. Rachel at RedeemerATL.org. And if I forgot you, I'm sorry. But reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you, take you out to lunch or coffee, and let you know a little bit about our church. Amen, if that's you. Um, And if nothing else, you get some free coffee and free lunch, and we love that as well. So, so glad to have you. Praise the Lord for you being with us today. And so before we get into the sermon this morning, I almost took a step, Clay, my, my bad. Before we get into the sermon this morning, uh, if you remember a couple of weeks ago uh, when we started, I think it was the second sermon in 1 John, we talked about the fact that John the Apostle is writing this letter to a group of Christians who are experiencing the common phenomenon of people, just, of people leaving the faith. It was common in this time they were just leaving the faith. And as they were leaving the Christian faith, they were also assuming and preaching and teaching alternative ideas about the faith and about Jesus himself, ideas that were different or even contrary to what John and the other apostles had taught about Jesus, the Jesus they knew personally, they walked with for three years, they saw die and go up to the clouds. And so they were preaching some true things about him and others were preaching some false things. So John... Excuse me. John is writing this to those Christians so that they could know, indeed, who were Christians and who were not, who were truly following this Jesus and who wasn't. And if you remember, we talked about love, real love, true love. You remember the karaoke moment we had, right? And we talked about the fact that real love, agape love, is the defining mark of a true Christian, someone who is truly following Christ. John, let them know that's how you can tell someone's following the Lord. And so we get to And just to be clear, that Jesus that John is talking about is not just any Jesus, not the Jesus that that everyone is out, that anyone is preaching the different alternatives. But this Jesus is the Jesus who came in the flesh. Right. The son of God. He lived the perfect life that we could not live. He died a death for the forgiveness of sins that we could not die. And he rose back to life and he affords us an eternal life that we could not otherwise afford. That is the one true Jesus. That is the Jesus that the apostles knew personally and the one that they proclaimed. And so it was important that they understood that that's the Jesus, not not the other ones that they were proclaiming. And so as we get to chapter five this morning right? John, uh, he transitions just a little bit to answering another question. And the question is not how we can know someone is truly following Christ, but how does someone become a Christ follower? How are they born again? How do they become a Christian? And John says in in John, in first John chapter five, verse one, he says, everyone who believes, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God has themselves been born of God, And remember, it's this Jesus that we talked about, the one who lived the life we couldn't live, died for us and rose on that third day. That's the Jesus. Well, as we get to our portion of this passage, beginning in verse six, John transitions a little bit to a secondary question to that other question. And the question is this. How can we know that this Jesus, the Jesus that John and the apostles preached, how can we know that he is indeed the real one? There's so many other ones being preached out there. How can we know that he is the trustworthy one? And John says that we can know because there are three trustworthy witnesses that testify to who he is. And these witnesses are the water, the blood and the spirit. And so this morning we're going to talk about these three trustworthy witnesses to the identity of Christ and what that means for us. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to read. First John, chapter five, verses six through 12. I know your bulletins has a little longer text. I cut it down just a little bit. So we'll begin in verse six and we'll read down to verse 12. Beginning in verse six, it reads, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water. And blood and is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth for there are three that testify the spirit, the water and the blood and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And this is the word of the Lord, friends. Please pray with me. Father, this morning I take... Great joy in knowing that you are pleased in using imperfect people to preach the perfect truth of your word and of your gospel. And I pray that you would be pleased to do that one more time this morning. That Holy Spirit, you would grant me the clarity of thought and communication to share with my brothers and sisters this morning exactly what it is you want them to hear. And Lord, you would grant us conviction through your spirit. You would grant us the tenderness of heart. And Lord, you would make your word, you would add to your word your effectual power as it is indeed effective to shape us, to challenge us, to inspire us, to save us, to make us the people of God you desire us to be for the glory of your name. Do that this morning. Lord, we love and we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And so John begins our passage this morning in verse six by writing, as we just said, that Jesus came by the water, the blood and the spirit, not just the water, but by also the blood and the spirit. And he says that these three testify and they agree that Jesus who John is proclaiming this Jesus is the true Christ, the true Jesus. And it's important for us to see here, brothers and sisters, that in speaking about these three witnesses, John is utilizing a very common judicial standard, uh, courtroom standard of the day. That if any matter was brought before religious leaders or judges of the day, it had to be established or set forth by the credibility of at least two to three witnesses. So John is making sure that the credibility of their witness is being set forth with three witnesses, three trustworthy Witnesses, and again, these witnesses are the water, the blood, and the spirit. And so, we're going to take some time this morning to look at what are what 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 do these stand for? What does he mean by the water being a a witness? What does he mean by the blood being a witness? And what does he mean when he says the spirit, the Holy Spirit, is a witness? And so, the first is this. And if you're home, this should come up on, on the screen for you. The first is this: the water. What does John mean by the water being a witness to the identity of Jesus? So when John speaks of the water, testifying to the truth of who Jesus is, he's speaking about the water of baptism. Especially, specifically, he's talking about Jesus's baptism that happened at the hands of John the Baptist. If you remember back in Matthew chapter 3... And what we saw at Jesus's baptism was probably the most public and clear uh, uh, exclamation from God, the father, that Jesus is indeed his son and the Messiah. Right. Let's read Matthew, chapter three, verses 16 through 17. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting or landing on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love with him. I am well pleased. And so, brothers and sisters, it, it doesn't get a whole lot clearer than that. Jesus is baptized in the water. And as he come up, as he comes up out of the water, God, the father speaks clearly, audibly For everyone there to hear that this Jesus is indeed his son, the Messiah, the savior of the world. For us, brothers and sisters, Jesus's baptism, this 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 event of Jesus's baptism speaks to the significance of our own baptism. It speaks to the blessing of the witness of the water in our own life. Because the same way the waters of Jesus' baptism testify to the validity of his identity as the Messiah and the Christ, our baptism acknowledges that we are united to this one true Jesus. And in this way, brothers and sisters, our baptisms carries real spiritual Effectiveness. It's effective because our baptism, brothers and sisters, the waters of our baptism unites us to Jesus in His death, His burial, and in His resurrection. And for this reason, friends, baptism is essential for the Christ follower. It is essential that if we are living this life for Jesus, if we are following Jesus, that we are, baptiz- we are baptized into his name. We are baptized into his life, death, and resurrection for us. It is essential that we are identified physically through this sacrament with who Jesus truly is. And so when we refuse baptism... When we choose not to be baptized, then what happens is we are refusing, brothers and sisters, to be united to this Jesus. We are refusing to be one with this Christ in a very real, significant way. That's the importance of being baptized, uh, uh, brothers and sisters. That is the importance of being baptized. And so if you're here this morning and you say, hey, I haven't been baptized, I'd like to be baptized, I want to know more about baptism, I'd love to talk to you about that that as well. Uh, if you don't remember the litany of email addresses that I just gave, I won't give it again, just reach out to us, one of us, after service today. But we'd like to talk to you about baptism because baptism is essential for the follow of Christ, brothers and sisters. Baptism is necessary for our unity with Jesus and by that our unity with each other. Sometimes we wonder why it is we don't feel as connected to God or to others as we should. And brothers and sisters, it's often because we have not availed ourselves of the the blessings that are the sacraments. Baptism, yes, but also in communion. When we take of the body and blood of Christ, we are identifying as the one unified body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are therefore unified. We've been talking about unity a ton in our, in our, in our um, Bible study on, on Wednesday nights in 1 Corinthians, which has a lot of correlation with the book of 1 John. It's really cool. It's really interesting. If you'd like to join, 8 p.m. via Zoom. Email goes out on, mon- on Mondays as well as on Wednesday mornings. But this is the importance of, ba- importance of baptism. And so the water, the water testifies to Jesus. Okay, the water testifies to the truth of of who Christ is. His baptism does this. But the second thing, the second witness that witnesses to the truth of Christ is what? The blood. Amen. And so the blood represents the death that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And the blood testifies to the validity of Jesus because... It effectively applies the forgiveness of of sins to those of us who trust in Jesus. If you remember back in 1 John chapter 1 that we preached on a little while back, John wrote, he said, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And so quick recap from that sermon a few weeks ago, we talked about how walking in the light, being people of the light, means being people who readily confess sin and trust Christ for the forgiveness of sin. Not to hide sin, but trust Christ unto the forgiveness of our sins. And what John is saying is that when the confession of sin happens, the blood of Jesus really and successfully, necessarily for sure, without doubt, purifies the person who's confessed sin from the guilt of sin. And there's no question about it. And so it's the true effectiveness of Jesus's blood that testifies to the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus is indeed the forgiver of our sins. And anyone, anyone who comes to Jesus trusting in him, And confessing sins will be forgiven and freed from all guilt of sin through his blood. And we can always count on this to be true. Because the testimony of the blood assures us of this. And lastly, brothers and sisters, the spirit himself testifies To the truth of this Jesus, the Spirit Himself. Now, the best way to consider the role of the Holy Spirit as we talk about these three witnesses is that He's the one who kind of ties all the witnesses together, right? He's involved at every step and He ties the witnesses together because the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, is essentially the power behind the effectiveness of the water and the blood. You see, it's the spirit who descended on Jesus in the form of a dove when he came up out of the water in Matthew chapter three, testifying to his identity as the son of God. And it's the spirit, brothers and sisters, who troubles the waters of our very baptisms, thereby uniting us effectively to Jesus through the baptism. And it is the spirit who effectively necessarily applies the atonement of jesus 's blood to us the forgiveness of sin when we believe in the spirit when we believe in Jesus, and it is the spirit brothers and brothers and sisters who preserves our faith and grows our faith so that we keep on believing and trusting in Jesus throughout the ups and downs of this life, and so the spirit testifies in these three agree but the spirit has a unique role in our hearts the spirit uniquely in a very distinct way from the other witnesses testifies directly to our hearts in the, of the truth of jesus in john chapter 16 verse 13 jesus says he says but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth and not only will he guide us into all truth But in verse 14, Jesus says that he will glorify me, Jesus speaking, not Leon. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he makes known to you. And so what this means, friends, and what John pretty much says in the rest of chapter five this morning is that the spirit will always lead us to believing That Jesus is the son of God. That Jesus has come in the flesh. He's lived the perfect life that we could not live. He has died the death for the the forgiveness of our sins that we could not die. And that he is raised to life to afford us an eternal life that we could not otherwise afford. Therefore, friends, it's important that we understand that any teaching, no matter what it is, about jesus that's contrary to this truth the truth that we find in our bibles the truth of the testimony of the apostles the truth that the water the blood and the spirit testifies to if anything contrary to that comes across our paths we can know that it's not the truth it's not of the holy spirit and friends i'm going to say something real quick it may be a little challenging to some Maybe a little hard here, so this is what I want us to do. Go ahead and put your seat belts on. Go ahead and put it on. Go ahead and put your helmets on. Come on, Dewey. Put that seatbelt on, man. Come on. There it is. Boom. Double seatbelt. All right, and I want you to hear this truth, friends. Because what this means for us today is that if our Jesus, our conception of who Jesus is, if it needs to be or if it is anything or anyone but who Jesus is The Jesus that John and the apostles talked about, the one that they wrote about in our Bibles, then that Jesus is not the real thing. Okay? If our Jesus, our conception of Jesus, has to be an American, if our conception of Jesus has to be a Democrat or a Republican, or if he has to identify as a conservative or a liberal, If he has to align with any cultural identity or any racial identity that we have to conceive of. If he has to be concerned with any agenda or any idea or any concept more than he is concerned for the glory of his father, more than he is concerned for the integrity of his identity more than he is concerned for the faith and redemption of his people, than brothers and sisters, that is not the real Jesus. That ain't the real thing, baby. Amen? And so the water, the blood, and the Spirit have spoken. And they have declared that it is this Jesus, the one who John and the other apostles wrote about, the ones who they recorded in our Bibles, that this is the one true savior of the world. By believing in him, are we indeed born of God? And I'd like to close with this story. There was a man who one morning he woke up and he went to the living room where his wife was, and he said, hey, wife, I have some bad news. You need to sit down. And so His wife braced herself and she sat down and he said, listen, you're a widow now because I've died. And she said, what are you talking about? What joke is this? He says, no, I'm not joking. It really saddens me to tell you that I woke up this morning and I realized that I'm no longer alive and a little disturbed. She says, I don't know what you're getting at. So she went and grabbed their children. She said, hey, dad's having a tough morning. Would you please look at him and tell him you love him and that he's in fact alive? And so the man looks at his children, concerned for him, and he starts to tear up. And he says, oh, dear children, dear kids, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry you have to live without a father, but your father is, is gone. And so concerned, they call the psychiatrist. They go and they speak to the psychiatrist. And and the psychiatrist tries to convince this man that, that you know, he's, he's living, he's, he's, he's alive, he's not dead, and the man just isn't believing against all that the psychiatrist says. So the psychiatrist says, okay, look, can a dead man bleed? And the man says, of course not. What kind of question is that? Dead man can't bleed. He says, okay. So he takes the man's finger, he pricks it with a pin, and sure enough, blood comes out. And the man looks at the blood in shock, looks back at the psychiatrist and says, well, what do you know? Dead men do bleed. And, brothers and sisters, the point of this story this morning is that for some of us, the difficulty in trusting the biblical Christ, the true Christ, is not because there's a lack of evidence. The difficulty we have with trusting Jesus, trusting what the apostles say about him in our Bibles, in the Word, is not because there's not enough witness. Not because the testimony of the water, the blood, and and, and the spirit and the apostles themselves is not enough. For a lot of us, brothers and sisters, it's something else. Maybe it's a hurt that you've experienced at the hands of the church. And I, I know we've all experienced that to some degree because unfortunately the church today nor ever in history has been perfect. And maybe it's some hurt. Maybe it's some familial hurt. Maybe it's hard for you to accept the the fatherly love of God because the reality is your father was anything, anything but a loving character or figure in your life. Maybe it's an allegiance you have to something else, some movement or something that you find it hard to break away from. Brothers and sisters, I want to leave you this week with the question simply, what is it? What is it that is keeping us from trusting Jesus? And I don't mean trusting Jesus and saying, oh, I'm saved now. I have fire insurance. But trusting Jesus in such a way that you have accepted deep down in your heart who he is and it grants you a true sense of joy and peace in this life. What's keeping us from that? This week, take that thing before the Lord. Keep it before him in prayer so that you can experience the peace that is jesus the life that is jesus amen let's pray together friends lord i thank you so much for your word and i thank you so much for your people and just pray that your word would indeed accomplish in all of our hearts what you sent it to do the evidence is there the testimony is there and Lord God, I just pray that it would be received in our hearts. Some of us have hard hearts for a myriad of reasons, and I'm praying this week you would meet you would meet each of us in our prayer closets, in our communion in our community with other people, Lord, in softening our hearts and helping us to receive the peace and life that is truly Jesus, our Lord. We love and we thank you. In Jesus' name, Amen.